When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. is the GM Shuffle. That's the question Jerry has to answer. It's not can Mike McCarthy win regular season games. Can we trust him to get to the playoffs next year? And based on the evidence, you have to say no. And if he decides to make the move, right, if he says, okay, I'm going to, then he's got two possibilities. He's got Mike Vrabel and he's got Bill Belichick out there, two proven winners. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VEASAN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, we had super wild card weekend, two games No, let's Saturday, not even get two there. Games no, don't get Sunday. your introduction. I mean, let's not even start on your introduction. We need to know how you're doing. How you holding up? I mean, like, you just got your ass kicked. I mean, I see all these Cowboy fans on Twitter burning their jerseys. Everybody, I mean, you're, you're sitting there. You're going to act like you're calm. You're going to act like it's no big deal. Trying to be a professional here, Michael, but uh, oh, to, be, to, be quite honest, to, to be quite honest, how, how I'm feeling is uh, I'm pissed off. I've been pissed off since yesterday afternoon, and it's not the fact that they lost the game because losses happen in the NFL, and by God, I've seen a lot of Cowboys losses in the month of January. It's the manner in which they lost the game, getting their absolute asses kicked, like you said. Uh, getting the ball shoved right down their throat to start the football game. Packers go down, eight-minute drive, do whatever they want, score a touchdown. And then to see the absolute meltdown and the inability to, to rise to the occasion and the inability to kind of handle the moment here with everything that had been talked about all week long about job security for the head coach. Is this the biggest game for Dak? This is the best setup for the Cowboys. Potential to have multiple home playoff games. And to lay an egg like that, it's it's. I tweeted it yesterday. It is the most embarrassing loss in Cowboys franchise history. Like, it's, you and it's Jerry, simple. you and Jerry are in unison here. 
Well, and so let me ask you, as a cowboy aficionado, why do you think they lost? I mean, why do you think they laid this incredible egg on the biggest stage with as much at stake? Why? I think it's twofold here for me. I mean, defensively, I don't think they've ever been big enough or or physical enough in the trenches. And we saw that against a number of opponents who were able to run the ball down their throats. We said in our preview, Aaron Jones was my biggest concern heading into this game. And he had a big game as expected. There had three touchdowns on the ground. But then offensively, it, to me, it just felt like they just short circuited offensively. Like, I don't I don't want to get into the whole like, oh, they choked and all that stuff, because that stuff is it's hard to quantify. But that's what it looked like. Like if if, if choking was ever a, an actual term and something that we talked about, like this is the, the exact definition of it to where Dak and Lamb not on the same page after being peanut butter and jelly all season. They're acting like they'd never met before. And like, like we, There's no run game whatsoever. It, it was just an absolute meltdown. And then the more the game went on and the more that they could felt that they weren't in control, I felt that that's when they began to press Dak and throwing a pick six. And they're doing things that were just uncharacteristic offensively from what we'd seen throughout the season. So I think it was a complete meltdown from the team from top to down. Well, they're 54 percent win percentage since their last Super Bowl. Right. And so, you know, structurally to me, when you watch them and you watch them over the time, what are they, five and 13 now since their Super Bowl in terms of playoff wins? Yep. You know, to me, they are a classic team that. All they want to get, they get ready to get into the game, not necessarily get ready to play better in the second half of the season. And I don't know if it's because they want to rest their players, if they feel like they've got enough talent, but I've seen this movie before, right? And the movie is really, uh, it comes down to what is the culture? And if the culture is being run by the owner, is it tough enough? Is it demanding enough? Is it going to inspire mental and physical toughness to win when you need those ingredients the most? And I think this is bigger than just McCarthy's a shitty play caller and Dan Quinn had a bad day. I think this is bad a year. foundational issue, right? I mean, I think this is a foundational issue in terms of, look, we've gone for so long. The success that we've had was when Jimmy kind of ran the team and what he wanted to do with the team. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, you just got to look at this and say, are they really mentally and physically tough enough to play when it counts the most? And, you know, the answer to me was no. I mean, one of the things I thought early in the game, and I said this to you before we started, I really think McCarthy misjudged Green Bay because, you know, I mean, LaFleur takes the ball, right? He takes yeah. the ball. He wants to play from in front. Well, if I were McCarthy, I would have said, okay, he thinks he's going to score on us. He wants to change the tenor. And he did. And they made plays. I mean, early in the game, I get a text from Big Daddy. The very first play of the game, very first play of the game, we can't block them. They're, they're way better than we are. I mean, this is a complete diagnosis. I've got so many Big Daddy stuff. It's just hilarious. And my, Millie was like, why are you even getting engaged in this? You know, he's just going to be down <laughs> negative road. But one of the things is, I think what we saw early in that drive was love's ability to move. Mm-hmm. As good as the Packers' offensive line is in terms of pass protection, their ability, Love's ability to move but keep his eye level down the field and make those third down plays to Dobbs when he was wide-ass open, to me, is where this league is going. The quarterback now has to make the line better. Like, you can go through all these offensive lines in the league and you could say, draft them, draft them, draft them. And I'm a big believer in draft them, draft them, draft them. 
But if the quarterback's a sitting duck, I don't think it really matters how good you are. You got to get movement out of your quarterback because there's always going to be that second play. And then they go down the field and score. And, uh, and then he gets the ball to start his drive. And he's conservative to me. Like he's playing conservatively. And I'm sure I'm going to watch the tape today. I'm sure the great Joe Barry was playing cover two and saying, we're not going to give you a chunk play. You're going to have to run the ball. And, you know, he gets in a third and six. Boom. You know, he doesn't get it. Now he punts it back. They get the only only stop they had all day. And then the turnover happened. Now it's 14 to nothing. They can't play good in the red zone. And the game starts slipping away. And I don't think – I think he felt like his defense was going to play way better than I expected him to play. I took the over in the game Damn. on Russo. I thought it was going to be simple. And we said it on the pod. It was going to be similar to the Seattle game. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a – laughing winner for the over there 48 32 the final score and how does that happen though i think if you're mike mccarthy to where it's like oh i think the game is going to play out a certain way let me just kind of not ease their way into the game but like you said like he was a little bit more conservative from an approach standpoint because this is a cowboys team that especially at home they have been pass happy pass happy like all right let's get in rhythm let's get to our stuff and there was none of that in this game like it looked like they were kind of just dipping the toe into the water and didn't really know what they were entering and i, I don't know like by the time they've realized oh we're, we're actually in a fight you're down three scores yeah, and, and never could get control of the game. They never had an answer. They can't play man-to-man on them, right? And so, and then when they got into zone, they dropped guys in zone. They looked like they blew coverages too. Yep. Look, here's the reality. When, you're a man, when you are strictly a man-to-man team and you try to play some zone to fix the problem, it be, you, you're not a good zone team. If you're just strictly a zone team, then you can't play man-to-man when you need to play it. So as a coordinator, you can't just play. You can't have one pitch. You can't play. You can't. Be, Nolan Ryan had one pitch, and he would get hit in the seventh. You know, you unless you have really good corners, unless you have the rush. But you could see early the rush wasn't going to get there. Love had time to throw the football in spite of what Big Daddy thought. Big Daddy wanted to run Aaron Jones, but I think Lafleur finally figured out. Let me throw it to run it. Yeah, and he did. And then they couldn't cover the receivers. I mean, these receivers for Green Bay are hard to cover. We said that going into the game. Like, they're hard to cover. And, you know, that's going to be the issue. And they can pass protect. I mean, you know, Quinn's probably sitting there saying to himself, like, man, you know, like I knew they were good, but, man, they're way better. Because Martindale, you know, the Giants shut them, lowered them down, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. We saw that game, right? And we saw Tampa play them really well. Like, I know that was three weeks ago, but my Lord, love was sensational. But I really think the underlying factor in love yesterday was his ability to slide and buy a second and make plays and get the shit hit out of him when he made the plays. Yeah, love was sensational, and and we'll get more into like what that, that means going forward here for this Packers. I mean, sixteen to twenty one, two seventy two, three touchdowns, almost a perfect passer rating there. Like the Packers found them. Like we talked about this earlier, but they have their, their quarterback. Like, it's not even a, dis- a debate. They got their guy, and it's got to be an exciting time for Packer fans going forward. For Dan Quinn, though, because this is something that just didn't pop up in this game. 
this was a lot of this year where we said, I mean, how many times was the, the, was the Dallas defense on, on, the, on the fraudulent list when we we're giving out awards this year? Like, this was not something that was just, oh, had a bad day. It felt like this was the whole season, and it kind of just came to a front here, and it, would just, it really just completely collapsed, giving up seven touchdowns. It's the most points that the Cowboys have ever given up in a playoff game, 48 points, and they had no chance to stop this offense. Well, look, I mean, the reality of it is, is when you've got a lot of players that are going to eat up most of your cap, you're, you're relying on a lot of young guys, right? You're relying on a lot of the young players. And you could just see that their front wasn't good enough. I mean, you could see their front wasn't good enough. Whether I didn't even know that was Macy Smith even dressed the first round pick. Uh, he dresses, but, but he I didn't doesn't even play see much. him. Huh? Yeah, he I, I didn't see like you're going to have to get production out of some of these young guys because you, you're top heavy team. And one thing I think what Dan was showing is he was trying to rob Peter to pay Paul. He was trying to make things happen to create a negative play, and he couldn't hold up. He just couldn't hold up. He couldn't balance his defense ever in the game. And, you know, and that's partly I think his talent level is vastly overrated. I mean, when you look at it, we saw Buffalo run for 200 and some yards. Now, I know that was on the road, but, you know, Buffalo ran the football on him. You know, I mean, look, the, the other thing is, too, is when you go through their schedule – I mean, the, they didn't play elite offenses all the time, right? I mean, they got blown out by San Francisco. They ran for 170 on them. You know, Philadelphia in the first game ran for one. I mean, they Philly ran the football, didn't do anything in the fourth quarter. The second game, you know, Philly was still not the same team. They blew out Philly, but Buffalo ran it on them. Miami made enough plays, kicked four or five field goals. Detroit was really good. I mean, Detroit had 420 yards offense. Yeah. Right? I mean, Detroit, that, that game could have gone the other way. So I think when you look at this situation, and they were never, were they 16th in the league in yards per attempt allowed? They were never going to be able, they created turnovers. They were 12th in the league in creating turnovers. They were creating negative plays. That's what they needed to do. And, you know, and when their offense didn't play from in front like they didn't yesterday, it became a problem. I think the one thing they didn't have was the ability to get control of the game with their run game. And that probably is more of, the situation with their offensive line, which I think is why they go on the road and they don't play as well. Look, this is this to me is is more than just we need to fix this or we need to fix that. This is about a philosophical approach on how to prepare a team for the pre, for the postseason. And can you do that? Can you do that? Now, here's what I would say: We come back from the break. Okay, he fired Chan Gailey after the wild card loss. Mm -hmm. He fired Wade Phillips midseason after the divisional loss. He fired the great Jason Garrett a year after the losing the division. Yeah. And three straight 12-win seasons, but, I mean, I would be at this point be surprised if they bring McCarthy back. We'll talk more about that. We'll talk about Dak on the other side, as well as the Green Bay Packers when we come back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in 
instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know, the Cowboys hadn't lost a a home game since week one of last season to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 16 straight home wins, longest streak in the NFL, 8-0 this year, but get absolutely demolished yesterday afternoon. And I called it the most embarrassing loss in Cowboys franchise history. That's my words. Here's Jerry Jones's words, the owner, general manager, and president of the team after this colossal loss here for the Dallas Cowboys. Really, I can't reach back and look at a playoff loss, uh, uh, but this uh, uh, seems like the uh, the, the most uh, painful uh, because uh, we all had such great expectation and we had hope for this team. I won't get into uh, any uh, of the uh, addressing of any aspects of it, any part of it, uh, from uh, the coaching to the players to what's around the corner. Uh, uh, on a personal basis, I'm I'm floored. Yeah. Does that sound like the man that looks like he wants to make some changes, Michael? Well, look, I I think there should be a rule. uh, And I don't know, Jerry does this after games, but talking to an owner after a game is never a good idea. There's too much emotion. There's too much either joy and happiness. I mean, we used to have a joke at the Raiders, you know, if – at the at the at the, uh, at the Browns, you know, you're lining up to kick a field goal. You know, if and Art Modell would, we would pretend Modell would say, "Well, if we make this field goal, everybody gets ten-year contracts. If we miss this field goal, everybody gets fired." You know, it's like there's that that thin line is so close, right? And so when you go and talk to the media after a game like that, there's a propensity to say something that you don't mean or feel. And and I think Stephen Jones is the voice of reason. He's the pragmatic person in, in the in their dynamic and they'll take a step back and like I mentioned in the last block you know when he fired Galey he knew you know he did it after a wild car loss that was humiliating when he fired Wade right Wade lost the division and he's got the great Jason Garrett on the staff and then he made the move to go to Garrett when they were struggling and then when he fired Garrett, you know, Garrett went 10 and 6. He lost the division game. And then the next year he brought him back. He went 8 and 8 and he fired him. And that's when he hired McCarthy. You know, when he fired Campo, Campo was 5 and 11 three years in a row. That wasn't a hard decision. Yeah. Then he got Parcells, right? And, you know, and Parcells was down there. Parcells is 6 and 10, and he's two years of 9 and 7. And then after he left, Wade went 13 and 3. So the kind of the nucleus of the team was there, but then they were going through it. You know, I, I think it's best for Jerry to take a couple of days and just kind of really contemplate this. I, the hard part is going to be because of the media attention that this creates, because of the the you know the onslaught that McCarthy gets from outside sources, that does leak into your locker room. 
that does leak into your locker room, and it makes it really hard for the players to have believability and trust in the coach that he can get you to the next level. That, that's the question Jerry has to answer. It's not can Mike McCarthy win regular season games. Can we trust him to get to the playoffs next year? And, and based on the evidence, you have to say no. And I'm not trying to get Mike fired, but I think that's the question Jerry's got to address over the next 48 hours. And if he decides to make the move, right, if he says, okay, I'm going to, then he's got two possibilities. He's got Mike Vrabel and he's got Bill Belichick out there, two proven winners. Yep. So he's, he's got a really good chance to get one of the two if, if, he put, if he goes there. But he better move quickly because I'm sure there's other teams interested in both of them. And yep. he's going to have to go through the Rooney rule. It isn't like, okay, I want to hire Belichick. I'm going to go talk to him tomorrow. And people know that if Jerry fires McCarthy, you know, there's going to be a huge light shined on the Cowboys and that any of the minority candidates that interview might not really have a chance. And so it looks like a sham interview, right? And that, that's a hard thing, right? You don't want to do that. You don't want to, you do not want to do something to embarrass the process. But if he fires McCarthy, everybody in America knows it's either going to be Bill or it's going to be Vrabel, maybe, I don't know, Pete Carroll. I can't imagine he fires McCarthy to hire Dan Quinn. No. I mean, there's no way you can do that after what we saw this season. Like, it's just—it's not just yesterday. It's the entire season with this defense here. And to me, I think he pulls – I think he does it. I think he fires McCarthy. Like, I, I know if, if I was running things, I'd fire Mike McCarthy. And it's not to say that he's a bad coach. I just think that this Cowboys team has hit their ceiling with Mike McCarthy as the head coach. Like, if, 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 if it's Dax tied had with his McCarthy best year. Dax had his best year. Didn't – you know, Dak hasn't played well in the playoffs. I mean, let's be clear he here, hasn't. right? He hasn't. He has to assume responsibility for that. But Dak had his best year. And so you'll lose, you'll lose something from that. And, you know, where do you go? Where do you go from there? Now, here's the bigger issue Jerry has. He's got a team that's going to be very top-heavy. He's going to have to pay Parsons. He's going to have to redo Dak's deal. He's got a lot of high-priced guys on the team. They're not going to have a lot of cap room. You know, everybody will think it's a great situation. You're taking over a 12-win team, but is it? You know, yeah, you know, you're gonna you're not gonna be able to re-sign Pollard, who certainly wasn't didn't the same player we saw him last year. You gotta sign Lamb. They're gonna be like the Rams. It's gonna be very top heavy. They're one of the, you know, they were they were they're fortunate they got that kicker. I mean, God bless them, they got that kicker. They found him. That's a great find of all time. But to me, you're gonna have to really rely on player development and finding cheap talent because you're, you're going to be very top-heavy. I mean, they have the hardest decision in football. Them and the Miami Dolphins have the hardest decision in football. They're going to have to pay a quarterback who's, who's not in the top five. Maybe Dak's in the top ten. Tua, we know, and both Tua and Dak are not postseason players. I mean, it, what do you, you know, Tua was – we saw what he did on Sunday on, – on Saturday night in the cold. We know where that's going. You got to pay them three hundred million dollars. I mean, you got Lawrence, Tua, and Prescott. They're going to get paid huge money, and are they really going to be able to carry the team? And that's my question. Like, what would you do with Dak Prescott? Because he has a fifty-nine million dollar cap hit next year, so they're not going to want to carry that into next season. Because you mentioned they already have to pay Parsons. They got to look at Lamb. Like, like, they can't carry that number here. So the way to kind of bring that down is an extension. But can you, in good faith, extend a guy who's two and five in the postseason? And not just that, he's two and five has probably only played two good playoff games in those seven games. Like, it has not looked good. And 
there's been multiple coaches and there's been multiple iterations of the offense. Like we can't keep blaming the outside sources here. Like the quarterback's got to make plays as well. And, and he looked like he, he was worse in this game than he was when they got blown out by the Niners earlier this season. Like this was the worst game he played all year. Look, I, I think it's, a, you, but you know, the alternative is you don't have an answer right now, you know, look, and here's what we do know. And we know this, ask Mike Zimmer, you know, ask Rick Spielman. When you, when you go all in like they did with Kirk Cousins, there's not enough left to have a team. Look at the Rams, okay? Now, we'll talk about them in a minute. But the Rams, Stafford was sensational yesterday. They were great. Do you think they would have been able to play this week coming up if they won that game? No. They, got, they, they were a wounded team. Stafford was beat up. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he has broken ribs and a broken finger. Yeah. He's so freaking tough. So when you're so top-heavy, where do you have the depth? you got to really draft well, and you really have to have a coach who can develop young players. You really need that desperately. That's a hard thing to get. That's a hard thing to get. Because these quarterbacks, I mean, you're going to sit there in the office, Femi, and you're going to say, I can't pay them. Well, you're the Dallas Cowboys. You're probably, you know, one of the greatest franchises in all the sports. You're going to go in and go, who, who's going to be your quarterback? You've done no planning to have anybody come in. I mean, give Green Bay credit. They did. They took a bunch of shit for it. But look where it got them now. Yeah. And, and that's the model that the Packers have used for decades. They used it with Aaron Rodgers when they drafted him and, and Favre still had years on him. So left that Rodgers sat for a while. He ends up turning into a four-time MVP. Jordan Love now, he sat behind Rodgers, even though Rodgers wanted a receiver. The fan base wanted receivers. And you got to credit Goody. I mean, Goot, who, who our guy Big Daddy's been killing. Uh, I mean, killing. The, the, the amount of now, young, now, youngest now of playoff he team. It. <laughs> He tempers it now. He really wasn't. You know, he doesn't really care. Now, everything's revision. You know, he's trying to argue with me yesterday that the Packers, they, they don't pay anybody. Like, they would never pay for a good coach. I'm like, where are you getting your information from? Yahoo? Like, how do you know the Packer payroll? Well, they don't pay Barry. They don't pay LaFleur. They won't pay. I'm like, where, tell me where you're getting this information from. They pay. They have more. They'll always pay. They pay. They take good care of their people. Like, I mean, this no, this idea that they don't pay is so far out of it. But credit them. I mean, look, where those receivers just show up on campus. They got them from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> they crushed. I mean, if you're going to be the Cowboys and the Rams and you got an older quarterback, you're going to have to go really young. And once, you, once you've gone past that, that window of accumulating talent while you're on the rookie contract, now you're in a whole different category of team building, a whole different one. And you got to make sure you got a coach who could develop it. You put Bill in Dallas, you know, you're going to get player development. You're going to get player development. You get Vrabel down there. That's all he's ever done. Vrabel's never known first round picks to come in and play for him right away. Yeah. I mean, it's like you look at the Packers draft and what they were able to do. They absolutely knocked it out of the park there. I mean, you talk about Dontavian Wicks, Jaden Reed, the two previously Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson. They got guys on defense that I, I know. I know Big Daddy's not a fan of the front seven, but those guys came and oh, played yeah. like, like Preston he's Smith. Playing well. But Big Daddy, you got to understand, Big Daddy's not a fan. Of, he's going to complain to complain. I mean, you understand this, right? I mean, yeah. you know, he's complaining the first play of the game. I'm getting complaining texts from him. Like, you know, it's like, it's, it's like unbelievable. Like, well, I want Aaron Jones to get the ball. Well, can you just let the game go a little bit before we start complaining? 
He knows that p- possessions are, are valuable in the postseason. We can't waste them. And then, them. of course, at the end of the game, when they're giving up all the yards, he's complaining about Barry's defense. Like, at some point, did you not realize that Barry could care less about how many yards they get? That the, 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 the opponent was no longer the Cowboys. It was the clock. <laughs> the game was over. <laughs> Game was over. Ultimately, uh, and we'll talk about Lions, Rams, and obviously what happened Saturday night with the Dolphins, Chiefs, and of course the impressive Houston Texans win over the Cleveland Browns. But in the sixty seconds here, as we head to break, what do you think is what happens with this Cowboys head coaching position? Do you think they eventually move on from Mike McCarthy? I think he. I think he's going to have a hard time wrapping his head around the fact that is Mike believable next playoff round? Like Mike's going to have to convince him. In an, in, the, in an interview, like, here's why we lost today. Here's what I need to do better next offseason, during training camp, during the season, to mentally prepare our team to handle what we have to handle. And if those answers aren't good, and some of that's going to be back on Jerry, you're going to have to let me work the team harder. You're going to have to let me do these things. That's the conversation he's going to have to have. McCarthy's not meeting with the media today on Monday. It'll just be the players. I'm assuming he's going to meet with them Tuesday. He's going to do a lot of the exit interviews with the players and all that. But it's going to be what everyone's talking about down in Dallas and across this country about what's going to happen with Mike McCarthy in the coming week. All right, we'll get to the other games from Wild Card Weekend when we come back here on the GM Show. How about the scene last night in the Motor City? The Detroit Lions beat the Los Angeles Rams 24-23. What was the only good game that we had this weekend, to be honest? There was yeah, a really fun, entertaining game that was going back and forth there. It went down to the wire, but the Lions, they hold on as they get their first playoff victory in 32 years. Yeah, I mean, I think what we saw last night in Detroit was how great of a football town that is. Yeah. Right? They love football there, and they've been so – behind and so deprived of truly enjoying their team. You know, I almost think like those uniforms that they don't, you know, I hate when they wear those uniforms. They have such a great uniform in the old school. But look, this city loves football. It's got great tradition in the organization. And you can just feel it. The fans have been dying for so long to get some kind of uh, positivity come postseason. And look, they fought their ass off. You talk about mental toughness. You talk about physical toughness. I mean, look, this game's, you, you know, this game is a close game in the first half, back and forth. I mean, both defenses looked like they were never going to stop either one. You thought the over was going to be an easy cash. Yeah. And then, you know, you score nine points in the second half. And, and what, what makes this really about the ability to build your mental toughness of your team is the Lions gain 86 yards in the second half. 86, right, and win the game. They score three points, gain 86 yards, and win the game. And they both both teams had 55 plays in the game. Both teams were able, you know, were three for nine on third down. The difference was the Rams averaged 7.7 yards per play. The Lions only 6-1. But what, what's always the difference in these close games is the fact that you know, the Rams are 0 for 3 in the red zone, 0 for 1 on goal to go. The Lions were 3 for 3 and 2 for 2. That's the game. There's the game. And give them credit for fighting through it, right? Just keep playing. Hutchinson's ability on the third and four to create the hold call on Haverstein, you know, was the killer. And then they come back on third and 14 and 
you know, I, I mean, obviously that's a horrible, they don't make that call. The guy's pulling on, on Nakua's jersey, you know, which easily could have been called for pass interference, but, you know, they don't make that call and, you know, now you got to punt it. I mean, if, you, if you're throwing a shorter pass on third and four, you know you're going to go for it on fourth down. And then once they punted, they had no, you, you knew one, two first down, even Mike Tirico knew it. He said two first downs win this game, and he's right. Yep. And the Lions had five first downs in the second half, Emmy, two on the last drive. It's what, when, when I was watching the game, I, I just, and I, he's done a hell of a job, and I think this is honestly his best coaching job of his career this season. But McVeigh, especially in that second half, I thought he kind of mismanaged things, like using those timeouts. And I get he wanted to try to avoid a delay a game, but you needed those timeouts. And yeah, you don't yeah. want third and 13, but I'd rather do third and 13 and save the timeout in case I need it. And then all of a sudden you punt the ball back with four minutes left. You only have one timeout. It's just such a tough spot to where you had to at least have two. You couldn't go into that final possession there with only one timeout. Like that's a killer, man. It was a killer. Look, and, and, and take your hat off to them. I mean, I think Raheem Morris, of all the candidates that are available out in the market today, not counting Vrabel, not counting Belichick, but to me, Raheem Morris should be the first guy on everybody's list to be a head coach. His adjustments in this game, to hold them to 86 yards in the yeah. second half, get control of the game, you know, get off the field when he had to get off the field. The Rams had that ball back. You know, when he got that ball back with, I think, eight minutes to go in the game and they got a chance, they're down by a point, and all they need to do is get into field goal range and keep running. And, you know, he got them the ball back when they needed it. They just couldn't close. They got they couldn't get they couldn't get past the 35. They couldn't make a play. Hutchinson just was the difference. Not being able – they didn't chip – I mean, he got the sack on third and four, got the holding call. They come back, and then they don't chip him again. They got five out in the route. And he did the same thing, and now Stafford had to step up and throw, and of course it could have been. But to me, I, I, I agree. I think, I think this, this Rams staff has done a remarkable job from the offensive line to the defense. They've got young players to play really well, and Raheem adjusted the game and figured out what they were doing and stopped them. But, you know, I don't know if, based on how tough Stafford is, I don't know if he could have played this week. I really don't. He got the shit kicked out. I mean, I don't know how they didn't call roughing the passer on the one where he got his eyes rolled back in his head. Uh, of all roughings to not call, we've seen some egregious rough. I mean, Mahomes got himself a nice roughing the passer in the Kansas City-Miami game. Stafford, like, like, he gets hit and then gets his head taken off by a defensive tackle. And they're just like, yeah, just get on up, buddy. <laughs> There's nothing, nothing. I mean, wow, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, and where was Cooper Cup in the game? Like, one of the things I think you got to give Cooper Cup credit for is, is he's able to be, what, he had five targets for 27 yards. Something's up with him, right? Yeah. Like, there's just no explosiveness in him anymore. And he's more of a decoy. I mean, Nakua, what's his remarkable about what Puka does is they insert Puka into the run game. He was a lead blocker. on Like, he's got way more toughness than Kyle Pitts or some of those guys. Like, they literally use him in the run game. I mean, it's remarkable. Their whole scheme, like, if you went out, if I told you they only had 68 yards rushing, you would have said, I thought they ran the ball better than that. This is what we said going in. When Sean can't really rely on the run, then it becomes an issue. His, his game calling becomes a little lesser. You know, it's harder for him. But, I mean, I don't know what's wrong with Cup. He just doesn't seem like the same player. 5.4 yards a catch. 
Yeah, no, he he wasn't the same guy at all at, at any point in this season. I know he had a couple hundred yard games, but you could just tell watching him. On the other side, Nakua though, I mean, nine for one eighty one and a touchdown. Like the Rams found themselves a hell of a player in in Puka yeah, Nakua. I, I think to me, what's going to happen is is if if I mean, is Cup healthy, right? Nakua is going to come back, and I mean, how do they? You know, how do you match up? I mean, look, Stafford was. I think he was exceptional. The he throw was. angles that he used, the toughness that he did. The, the the ability to make plays without movement, you know, I mean, and golf, we don't say enough, of, but golf played a golf game. He did exactly what he only had one screw up where he threw the lateral. But for the most part, he was very effective. And eventually Morris got control of the run game. I mean, the Lions, you would have thought the Lions were running for over 200 yards in the game. They, they averaged 3.2 a carry. Like you look at this box score and you watch that game and you say, how did the Lions win? They won because they are, because their head coach is mentally tough. There was physical toughness, and it came down to a play or two, and the Lions made it, and the and the Rams didn't. And I'm not saying the Rams aren't mentally tough. I'm certainly not implying that at all. But this this game, watching this game, is everything that's wrong with the Cowboys. Yep. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think the biggest part of that, for me at least, watching it, was when the Lions were trying to run the clock out, they stuck to their guns and like they've done some wild shit like all season long with some of the fourth down decisions and all that stuff. But they said, hey, Goff, we're running this route to Amon Ross St. Brown. We're going to convert this. And we're going to win the game like they didn't flinch whatsoever. What does Mike Tomlin say? Don't blink. Cowboys were blinking all damn day yesterday. Lions didn't blink when it came to moment of truth and they were able to convert that ball and then ultimately go into victory formation. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, the Lions were smart. They knew they only had one time out. So they knew, you know, they ran for a first down. They got that on the flat route. They throw the flat route over to uh, to Montgomery. He had the, you know, 11-yard mm. gain there on that one catch he had the whole day. And then they throw it to, to St. Brown, and, you know, he makes the play that he had to make. That was – I think that was truly understanding the game, right? They only had 86 yards in the second half. They don't score in the fourth quarter. Both teams just had eight possessions. And yet, you know, the Rams come out of there and they just couldn't get the ball past it. I think what the, the, the Lions ran one play the entire second since the seven minute mark in the second quarter. Past the Rams 35. That's how good they adjusted the game out. And if you're a general manager in the league and you're looking for a coach, there's the perfect example of what you want. You want a guy that, OK, he had a game plan. It wasn't going. Change the game plan. Fix the game plan. Last thing for me on this is like as as angry as I was yesterday afternoon and with the Cowboys game, like it actually seeing the Lions fans in that jubilation put a smile on my face. Like it's just that th that fan base deserves this, and I'm I'm happy for them. And now they're going to go ahead and host another playoff game from the winner of tonight's Eagles and Buccaneers game. They're going to go in there to the Motor City, which I'm sure will be an absolutely electric environment Sunday afternoon next week. All right, let's get to Saturday night here, Michael, where the Kansas City Chiefs. This is another lay it and laugh situation. I laid the four here. And boy after one drive i was like i'm home <laughs> the chiefs they beat the dolphins 26 to 7 it should have been worse the way that kansas city's red zone offense looked horrendous in that game but miami offensively just absolutely no showed this game tua was awful mcdaniel he wasn't much better as a play caller i just thought this whole thing was bad for miami dolphins as kansas city advances to the divisional round i mean look i mean th this is it's just the reality they're not a physical team miami it's pretty it's great it's nice in september but once again, are you going to be able to make the plays? I felt bad for Vic. Vic was trying everything yeah. he could defensively. To a, he was trying to blitz. He, you know, he, he was trying to play zone. He was just – I mean, they were one-handed. I mean, the losing of all their defensive players killed them. And, 
I, what I was shocked was with that Andy's willingness to throw it as much as he threw it. I mean, he threw it. I mean, Mahomes got 41 passes in the game. I, I took the under, which was, you know, uh, Russo and I, we do the point thing where you go 60 points is your favorite bet. You go down to 10 points, which is your least favorite. Then you total up the points. Of course, you know, this becomes more important than the contest because if he wins this, then that's all we talk about. But if I win this, we'll never talk about it. But anyway, <laughs> I took the under in this game. Like, I go. never thought that. That was 44. Like, how was that? They played They played in Germany in perfect conditions and it was 35. I never understood that. But to me, I was shocked that Andy was throwing as much as he was. And everybody says, well, they just didn't play good in the red area. When do they play good in the red area? Never. I mean, they, they they haven't been good in the red area all year. They, they, I mean, they, Miami they was well. exactly what we think they are. If you if you take away the big play, and how about the big play? The one play, if he doesn't underthrow it, is it a big play? That was the lock of the day that Tua wasn't going to have a good day. You knew yep. it. Go back to when watch him in Tennessee when it rained and he couldn't control the ball. Now the question is, you paying him fifty million a year? I don't think you can. They all said after the game, it wasn't his fault. Everything's good. Well, I mean, what are we blind? We're watching the same game you're watching. Like, he's a good quarterback. I'm not suggesting he's accurate if the first guy's there. But there is nothing, and I've said this from the beginning, there's nothing elite about him other than his ability to make a quick decision on the first read. His rhythm is really good. And his accuracy on the short throws are good. But, like, what are you paying for elite? I said this all year. Would you trade Brock Purdy for Tua? Everybody said I'm an idiot. Would you? I'd rather have Brock Purdy's contract than Tua's two, $300 million for five years. You think Lee Steinberg, who represents Tua, is going to take anything less? He's the quarterback guru. Yeah. And, and the problem, too, with Miami, if you do sign him, these are the games you have to win if you want to win a Super Bowl. You got to go through Mahomes. You got to go through Lamar Jackson. You got to go through Burrow when he gets healthy in this Bengals team. These are the quarterbacks you got to beat. And can you do it with Tua as your quarterback? Like, if you pay him, you can't get other guys' money and you get into a tough spot here. We'll wrap up our wild card discussion and get to the head coaching news as well on the other side. Boy, the Houston Texans. Unbelievable. Picking second overall last year. Now headed to the divisional round after destroying the Cleveland Browns 45 to 14. CJ Stroud, he is just like a, st- a star is born, Michael. A star is born. 16 of 21, 274, three touchdowns. And now here the Texans are going to the divisional round, which nobody, I think, had on their uh, bingo card to start the season. Look, Stroud was great, and and so was Bobby Slovic, and yeah. he's the hot name out there. I think he and Mike McDonald are the two hot names. Raheem Morris should be a hot name too. We'll see how he interviews, but I think uh, you know that the offense is perfectly suited for him. And the Browns, we knew they were not going to be very good on the road defensively, but I didn't expect them to be this bad, right? I thought that they would be able to cover. They couldn't cover man to man in the game, and 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 they were missing some of their receivers, so. You know, I mean, they dropped coverages, they blew it, and Miles Garrett couldn't make a play, and then Flacco has two mistakes in a row that kills him. So, anyway, it was, uh, you know, credit to Houston. I think they go back to Baltimore. They're a 10-point dog. They opened the season there. Stroud had a good game in that game. They couldn't quite punch it in. He had three or four long drives in that game. This will be a fun game. I mean, the 10 points, I know it's posted – 
and certainly, but these these young quarterbacks, the pressure doesn't bother them. I mean, look, when you play Michigan, Ohio State, and you play against Georgia, I, I think you're probably accustomed to it. So it'll be a fun game. I thought Slovic. Look, one thing about Houston, Slovic's does a really good job. D'Amico does a really good job, and and Frank Edgerly, the the special teams coach, he had the best special teams in the league. They're good in all three phases. You can't underestimate that. Yeah, no, they're well coached. They were ready to play in that one, and and also they could go to Baltimore. They could also go to Kansas City, depending on what happens if Pittsburgh is able to pull off the upset today against the Buffalo Bills. So it's not set in stone just yet, but all expectations are it's likely going to be Houston and the Baltimore Ravens, but maybe that's famous last words in the kiss of death for the Buffalo Bills. We'll see later on this afternoon. Uh, but Michael, let's get to, though, the coaching news that we saw. Gerard Mayo, last time we did this podcast, we were wondering who was going to be the successor to Bill Belichick, and it is Gerard Mayo who was the coach in waiting in New England. Uh, a few minutes here on Gerard Mayo, 37 years old, now the youngest coach in the NFL, taking over uh, the biggest jobs in the NFL. Well, look, I mean, Gerard Mayo's not going to fill, he's not going to do what Bill Belichick did. I think I was talking to somebody this morning about Bill, you know, and all the things that Bill does. And people really have no idea, you know, what he does from player personnel to everything, right? So Mayo's just got to focus on what his job is, right? And he and he can't be who he's not. The infrastructure is in place. The players will work hard. He's got to be hold them accountable, and he's got to do it in his own way. And he's going to have to put together an offensive staff. Billy O'Brien has two more years on a contract. Whether he keeps him, he's going to have to hire an offensive line coach, and he's going to have to figure out what his identity is defensively because most of the defense isn't going to be there. So, look, I, I think for him as a young coach, by narrowing his focus just on coaching the team and letting the, the other people in the building take the roles away from him, you know, he, he'll be able to handle that. If he, you, he knows and he's smart enough to know he's never going to – nobody can replace Bill. Nobody can replace Bill in terms of the vision that he had, the focus that he had, the understanding of the team and the opponent that he had. But, you know, Mayo's just got to be himself, and they've got to pick the right quarterback. I think more than anything, the Mayo hire, Mayo hire is going to be linked to what quarterback they move forward with. Quarterback, maybe even the play caller as well, if they move forward with Bill O'Brien or if they well, decide to what, go somewhere Yeah, else. I mean, look, look how – look, they're a better team now than the Texans were last year at this time. So if they get a quarterback and an offensive coordinator, say they get a guy like Slovic and they get a quarterback like Stroud, with that defense, they're going to turn this thing around very quickly. They're a much better team. They have $100 million of cap room. They've got a lot of players on the contract. They get a good line coach. They can fix this. They can fix it. It's not as bad as people think it is. Now, the, you know, the kicker was horrendous, and the quarterbacks were horrendous. You fix those two problems, you're on your way. The beauty of the NFL, hope is always around the corner, uh, unless you're maybe the Carolina Panthers and something like that. That might be a little bit tougher situation. Wow. It's difficult. Uh, what do you think the over-under is on what, on what David Tepper is going to have to overpay for the next coach? I got a call from an agent yesterday, and it, that, that was the question I was asked. What's the over-under on how much he's going to have to overpay? I mean, I mean you know, because he's <laughs> – Ben Johnson is rumored to be going to Washington. Mm -hmm. I don't, Slovak is in the Tennessee mix. If I'm Slovak, I'm not taking Carolina. I'll come back with Stroud and keep winning. I'll get yeah. whatever job I want a year from now. He's in such a good shape, right? You mm -hmm. don't have to take a bad job. You could just stay there because you got you're, you got this young quarterback and you can ride him for a while. If I'm Slovak, I run it back. Kind of similar to what Ben Johnson did last year when he pulled his I, name out of I the head coach. I think I would too. Yeah, I run it back. 
Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be jumping to go to Tennessee just, you know, because the one thing I think is, you know, this week his star is going to rise even more, especially on Sunday. But to me, you know, again, I think to me, you, you know, these younger guys, if they're a little bit patient, a better job might come up. And you'll get your pick of the litter because, like, there's so many of the big fish, Belichick, Vrabel, all these guys are out there. Like, I want to be the, the top guy if I'm Bobby Slovic. So I would run it back, and and who knows, maybe you Stroud wins MVP next year or something like that. Get ready for that one this summer, Michael. Everyone's going to be talking about Stroud MVP, Jordan Love MVP. Yeah. Those will be the two hot guys. Well, I, I, I mean, uh, my man Bill Berman was telling me yesterday the whole reason the Cowboys lost is because of motion by the Packers. See, they weren't ready for the motion. That's what our man Danny O said. The motion is what killed them. The motion. Okay, the motion. I got it. Right. Just a simple motion. Right. I got that. Okay, we'll move on. Let's move on to and then, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, motion. Let's, 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 not, let's not go down that path. And he's path. pounding his chest saying, I told everybody they can't handle motion. <laughs> How about Jim Harbaugh? He's interviewing with the Chargers later today. We talked about this over the weekend, and you said that if he's going for the interview, there's clearly mutual interest, heavy interest from both sides here. And maybe we see something earlier this week or later this week, I should say. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, he's not coming in unless the parameters fit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little bit like when you're recruiting a free agent. You, you know, the agents don't typically want you to send, take a guy in their building unless the parameters have kind of been set. He, here's where, where we are. And you can let them leave the building once you meet them. And, you know, I'm sure Ed McGuire, who's been around enough to know, has probably told Don Yee, look, Don, if we get along, we're in the same, we'll be in the same ballpark. But we need to meet them. We need to talk about a lot of things. We need to work some things through. So that's what they'll probably do. Now, where does he go from here? I don't know. Does he go to Atlanta? He's certainly not going to go to Tennessee, right? Does he, he, I can't imagine him in Carolina. I think that's going to be the hard one. Where does he go after this? But look, you know, maybe you think, is he on Dallas's radar? I don't know. Could be. I mean, everybody, anybody who's, who's a good coach should be on Dallas's radar based on what we've seen uh, over these past couple of playoffs. Adam Schefter did say this. He said, quote, a decision is not expected to be imminent for either side. Harbaugh will be deliberate with any decision he makes about his future. And also, like, we can't rule out Michigan. It sounds like Michigan's going to try to make this hard as well. They want to, of course, retain their national title winning head coach, but it might be difficult for them to go ahead and do that, though, because Harbaugh, it's, it seems like it's just where I'm sitting that he has his eyes for the NFL. But that all remains to be seen later on this week and going forward um all right let's get out to the awards let's hand out some hardware here best game plan the fred palermo well i think you got to give it to matt lafleur big daddy would even have to agree i mean that was a great i mean he's been on a roll now lafleur's been calling games look every time lafleur plays somebody he knows he's really his play calling has been spectacular Cooking, you know and i thought really to be i said this on mcafee earlier in the week i said look could they, if they laid an egg in this game and Barry was terrible. This, see, this is Big Daddy's biggest complaint is now that they've played good, that they'll keep Barry and give him an extension. That is, of course, he found somewhere he could find a negativity in that, right? You know, like the guy could never redeem himself. But you got to give LaFleur credit. Yeah. Like he coached this team. He got them to where they are. And I think you got to give the whole Texan staff credit. I mean, they were down there. They're a home dog. And they kicked the, they kicked the, the Browns. Have overachieved, right? The glass mm-hmm. slipper fell off a of Flacco, but defensively, I was really disappointed in the Browns' inability to cover and their inability to get any pressure. And I'm sure Schwartz is probably sitting there, like, really not happy with that tape. And so I, I think the Packers and the Texans were the two best there. 
Yeah, you mentioned that Browns defense. They find their way on the uh, the fraud of the week alongside my favorite team. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Cowboys. I mean, you, you got to give the Cowboys the fraud of the week the whole week, right? I mean, yep. in all areas. I mean, everybody's going to blame Dak, which he deserves. Everybody's going to blame McCarthy, which he deserves. But their defense was fraudulent, right? Their defense was really fraudulent. You know, and we're going to have to put McCarthy on the lamb because where else? who else is going to get there? So I think that's it. And we said this earlier in the season. We said, look, if you don't know now, you know Green Bay has talent. And, you know, I think to me, when you are a 54% winning percentage team since the last Super Bowl and you've been 5-13, and 13, you better have a conversation with yourself because you can't seem to shake it. It is what it is. Dallas losing, they can't shake it. Playoff time. Yeah, it's it's been uh, the ghost of January has passed. Been haunting this team since '96, and it's been unfortunate as a Cowboys fan. But nobody gives a damn since everyone hates the Cowboys. So whatever. Uh, let's get to today's game. We talked about these games on our pod last week, but since we now have two games, just your quick thoughts. Any change in how you felt about these two games? We're gonna get we get a double header, 4:30 Eastern. We're gonna have the uh, the Steelers taking on the Buffalo Bills, and what is gonna be a snowy atmosphere there in Western New York. You know, we're getting a little movement. The line's moving back to Tampa uh, today. There's some two and a halfs out there, which tells you somebody's coming in. I like the under in the game. I took it in Russo for 10 points at 43 and a half. It's still 43 and a four. There's just 43 out there now. I don't know what to make of the Buffalo's uh, game, really. I, I took the under at 35, but that was before we had the storm. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the under in that game because I think it's going to have to still be a, a run game. You know, with that weather, I don't know how bad the wind will be. Look, I, I think the Bucks eagle game, the Eagles are going to have to play well offensively. They're going to have to handle the blitz because Todd Bowles is coming. But I don't know where Mayfield is, right? Where is Mayfield? And, this, and, and the thing that bothers me most about this game, where I can't really endorse Tampa as the team that could be the upset, is the fact that Tampa, you know, they're, they're, they can't run the football. And against the Eagles, Arizona ran the ball. Everybody's run the ball the second half of the season against the Eagles. This team's 32nd in yards per attempt. They're 32nd in yards. If they can run the ball, they can win the game. They're going to have to run the ball on Philly because if it becomes a drop-back pass game and Bayfield's going to get too many balls tipped at the line of scrimmage, and it's going to be a problem. Yeah. yeah, I'm on the under as well. I played under 44, but even at 43, I think I've looked at, at the under in that game. I, I think Buffalo gets the victory, and uh, I think Philly wins as well. I know the fans have been calling for Sirianni's job, but uh, I think Philly ultimately well, here's gets the best the part. Philly fans, they're calling for his job. They want him fired, and they're going to the window to take to bet the Eagles and lay the three points. <laughs> best thing you could ever have. And it's been a great weekend for them because the Cowboys got their asses kicked, so Eagles fans are feeling good heading into Monday night. That does it for us here on the pod. Enjoy the games later on today. We'll be back on Thursday. Subscribe, rate, and review as always.